Hear That Podcast Ground is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Bengals ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers and shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices of up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I mean, I know you didn't think it's possible to get tickets cheaper than you'll be able to get for Sunday's game between the Bengals and the Ravens. But this is how you get the cheapest. They have the best deals for any game in specific. Watch and see how low you can see it go this Sunday. So head to the App Store or the Play Store. Now download Game Time. Score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. edition to hear that podcast growling paul Diener jr and jay morrison of the athletic are here with you jay what's going on yeah Welcome thanks back. did i miss anything last week no <laughs> yeah just you landed back in the states and just assumed everything was still kind of the same yeah just a very calm easy week no uh no out of control reactions and uh, screaming and yelling into the uh, into the abyss by every single person that has ever gone to a Bengals game in the city. I was in the um, locker room today. I'm like, why is everybody talking to Ryan Finley? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were gallivanting all around Europe, enjoying yourself, taking in the sights, drinking the. Drinking the coffee out of the tiny coffee mugs with just the with the with the little tiny handles on them. Probably smoking cigarettes and eating crepes. I did not have a single crepe. Meanwhile, I'm back here grinding out a quarterback change and a dead trading deadline and Lord knows what else. I'll make it up to you. I see how it is. Yeah. Uh quite a week. Quite a certainly quite a week. Thanks to uh uh, everybody that helped out with the show last week, of course, Dave Ninimitz came on and uh, did the first podcast with us, which was a lot of fun. And then uh, thanks to Dane Brugler, thanks to Joe Goodberry uh, for helping make that. I really, I, really good stuff. As I just said, screw it, let's talk about the draft. Uh, but talking about the top of this draft and how interesting it looks and where the Bengals could end up and who, what those players look like, the Joe Burrow to a Tagovailoa debate, all that stuff. Um, really enjoyed that episode, which is up. It's, it's the bonus episode from last week. So if you're listening to this and you're not a subscriber, first of all, you should, but I get it. But you can uh, subscribe uh, and you would get that episode from last week, uh, which which we were on talking all about the draft and everything else. So uh, anyway, uh Thanks for covering for Jay, but now that you're back, you look, you're back and everything's looking up. They got a new quarterback. Everybody's getting healthy. So they're just going to start this. They're going to go on their second half run. That must be it. That's what it's it is. the 200th consecutive season in NFL football where the bye came at the exact right time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just when they needed it. Uh, if only they could have taken like five buys in the first half. That might have helped. Uh, so we've got some news we want to get to for you uh, of, of what's going on, particularly around this, uh, you know, the, the health that seems to be coming over this team and what that looks like going forward. But really, uh, we want to spend a lot of time, one last look back and kind of do our mid-year take on some of the best and mostly worst of the first half that was. And, and it'll be some good jumping off points, I think, for some important conversations analysis on where they are and where they're going. Um, we're going to go behind the curtain with Joe Mixon, vo- who spoke on Monday and voiced um, first time he's really talked since uh, really was since I got a no comment out of him uh, that game where, Jack- where was yeah, that, that was Jacksonville? Jacksonville game. Yeah, that was yeah where he walked off in frustration and had taken all the stuff off during the last drive. And, uh, so and he uh, made up for it because I think he had I think he had the media corner for like he 20 was twenty four to be exact. Uh, 24 minutes of Joe Mixon talking about how he needs a fullback. Um, 
Uh, so there's that to get to and much more. Jay, of course, has stats. Uh, we will play a little run, pass, or boot. And uh, we'll talk a little bit. we got to get to the LaDainian Tomlinson's Arby's Steakhouse, which uh, no doubt is going to be front and center on Jay's agenda here very soon. So we've got, we've got a lot to get to there. Um, let's start off with this. Hey, they're healthy. We're getting healthy. This this is like as healthy as I have. I think we've seen them all year. Was today, Jay? I mean, it was only Alex Redman and Drake Kirkpatrick were not participating in today's practice that are currently on the fifty three man roster. That's it a win. Is, and even even Dre was a step forward. He was on the rehab field uh, today for the first time, doing doing some footwork and uh, getting in a little bit of a workout. So it it looks like he's getting closer. Um, I, Alex was still in the boot. Um, I, I don't expect him back anytime soon. And John Miller, of course, with him, he with him back, he'd be back as in the starting role anyhow. So it's it's not not as big of a deal that that Alex got hurt in that in that Rams game. But yeah, this is as healthy as they've been in in quite some time. Uh, you kind of expect that coming out of a bye week. But uh, Darquez Denard was back out there uh, running with the ones at practice and. Uh, of course, AJ Green. That was the big one. Um, you know, he's 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 been practicing, but it it looks like he's he's on pace to be a, a full participant. When there was no injury report today, so the, the first injury report after the bye will be Wednesday. I think we'll see AJ listed as full, uh, which is a good sign pointing towards what everyone's kind of expected here that he's going to play against Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, he said his plan was to participate in today's practice and then try to go full for the first time on Wednesday uh, and, and, and hoping to play. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. But, I mean, we talk about A.J. Green, Carl Lawson, John Miller. Uh, you get down, go down this list, Darquez, and having, you know, William Jackson and Darquez out there. Heck, even uh, Darius Phillips and John Ross were out looking pretty good on the side, um, who are kind of your IR to return candidates. I guess uh, you would see uh, Darius um, would be available for the Week 12 game, and then you would have John Ross for Week 13 yeah. uh, if they both came back. That's when they're first eligible. But, you know, both – certainly Darius in particular are looking very good, and John's wasn't a leg injury, so you'd expect him to be able to be running fine. Uh, but anyway, those guys look like they're tracking back too. So, hey – there's some hope for health. If anybody cares about any of that <laughs> stuff anymore, I guess uh, there, there's that, there's that. Which to most most fans just respond great. Now they're going to go actually win a couple of games and ruin this draft pick, which is a fair conversation. That's what people in Miami are bemoaning today, right now. Where they blew it and beat the Jets yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's really interesting. It, we we can. I'm curious, you know, how many wins this team will get in the second half, if any. And and I've spent a lot of time debating the importance of winning in the second half and whether they need to or what that means. And, like, you know, how much better would you feel about this team if you went into next season and, you know, they had won three or four games at, you know, imagine that. Uh, in this in this second eight amongst the second eight when the team was a little healthier and the coaching staff got its legs underneath it would you feel better about them there or would you feel better about them if they just drafted to or joe burrow you know like what what act what is the better outcome here is it better to is it better to lose or is or is it totally damning if because they're going to bring zach taylor back next year like i mean i'm not breaking news here i just feel like that's the case and they're going to bring zach taylor back next year and if you come back and no one has any belief no one on the roster has any belief this guy can win games i just i I, you know there is importance to that there is some importance to that of getting this staff moving in the right direction and feeling like you can put a team together can go out there and win games and figure showing you can figure out the puzzle because we don't know that he can do that yet and there's got to be doubt and there's doubt in the back of every player's head and until they get it going, until this culture thing that's been talked about so much produces wins, um, there's going to be big doubts. And the only way to race those is to win some games. Yeah, and like what you said, I, it, it, there's two different elements here. It's it's what the what winning games would mean 
for how, how much better fans feel about this team and how much differently the, the players might feel about, about Zach. Um, I, I think a lot of it depends on do they get some wins in the second half of the season because of Ryan Finley or in spite of Ryan Finley. I mean, the way he plays is really going to kind of dictate what happens next year. I mean, what it, if he comes in and he plays really well and they win three games, four games, even two, uh, do, do they consider going with a, a Chase Young, a, a, you know, an impact player at another position other than quarterback and, and, and think that maybe they can ride with, with Ryan Finley? Um and, and, and the other thing too is who do those wins come against? If you know if you, if you get two or three wins and they're against the Jets and the Dolphins and a demoralized Browns team, does that really mean that much? So there's it's not just the number of wins they get. There's there's a lot of variables in into how and when those wins come. Yeah, well, their schedule's full of a lot of teams like that. I mean, when you talk about, I mean, even I mean, Oakland's better certainly. Uh, I mean, you know, Oakland, Miami, couple against the Browns, the Jets. I mean, it's just full of these games that they should be, you know, able to win. But you know, you said that about a lot of games in the first half, and, and they weren't able to win. So I, I think anything at this point would be a good starting point. But yeah, you 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 would like to think that uh, if you were going to try to find a positive momentum, you know, beating a Pittsburgh or or you know, Baltimore, you know, if that were to happen, something like that. I mean, that would certainly mean more. I don't know if it means more than getting the first pick. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, I think you're probably gutting the roster anyway. So who knows? I mean, there's going to be a completely different feel next year. But I, I do think there's some value. There's de- definitely value in the players that are going to be back here next year believing in the direction that this coach and his staff are taking them. Uh Let's uh let's dive into a little bit of let's go through our best worst. I've got Wheaton uh, to to be clear with everybody. We have not discussed this. We just we've laid out the categories so we know the categories that we're picking from. Uh, we each have we all we each have our answers ready to go. But Jay and I have not discussed this, so I'm hoping that there's some good debate. Uh, you know we're gonna embrace debate here on the podcast. Uh, and and I'm ho- I'm I'm curious to see some takes and see uh, how how differently or may- maybe the same that we view things. So here's the list of, of what we're going to go through. Uh, we've got MVP, which is a hysterical concept. Uh, MVP, uh, pleasant surprise, biggest disappointment, memorable play of the year. Now important, memorable could be memorable for a good reason or bad reason. I picked memorable as the <laughs> word particularly for a reason. Uh, most underrated player, most overrated player, coach of the year, most improved, must improve, craziest stat, lowest moment, and biggest rookie bust, which is our version of rookie of the year because no one's deserving of any sort of actual accolade, so we're just going to decide which one sucks the most. So let's uh, let's go in and get it going. MVP, I'm curious where, where you landed. It it was really tough. I mean, you you look through, it's like, who is who has really done anything to, to even warrant consideration in that category. And I just, I, I, I landed on Tyler Boyd. I, even though it hasn't been, you know, there haven't been those wow moments. Um, he's on pace for 102 catches and 1,072 yards. I mean, that's, that's quality numbers for, for an offense that's really not done much this year. And, and again, it's just who else can you pick? I mean, the kind of my backup was Sam Hubbard. You know, if he's on pace for six sacks, but again, it's not been, it's not been any sort of dominating performance. So it was almost a default pick with the stats to go with Tyler Boyd. I went a little uh, big picture existential here. My MVP is AJ Green because. He clearly is the most valuable player on this team when you consider how inept the offense has looked without him. And when everybody stinks so bad, I go back to, well, that is the guy who is as valuable as anybody, and it's never been more apparent than it was watching this offense struggle in the first half. I mean, it's it, it's amazing. But So I, so I had to go that way because I, I, I could not pick. There's nobody I could pick that actually played. 
It, ha- it has to come from somewhere else. So I went most valuable player on the team. He was on the 53-man roster for eight weeks is A.J. Green because clearly, <laughs> especially we'll see in the second half just how valuable maybe he was. We went over you know, the, their win-loss with and without him over the course of his career. That sample size is getting pretty big. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it, I believe it's 520 and one now uh, without him during the course of his career, and obviously like, 20 plus games over 500 with him. I'm starting to, uh, you know, that, that's not nothing. We're not we're not talking about a couple games and a couple of bad seasons. So I, I mean, I, I like that as a kind of an off the out of the box thinking. But does that mean was your runner up Jonah Williams? <laughs> he could be. I think. I think you. You absolutely could say that when you consider what's going on at left tackle. I mean, you could probably put those two together. But I don't know if Jonah Williams is any good, so I can't say that for sure yet. Uh, but yeah, he probably would be the. And the he's not on the fifty-three, uh, so maybe that. This is correct. Most pleasant surprise. What do you have for most pleasant surprise? I'm thinking we probably have the same here. Um, I was a little torn, but I just I, I think the the bigger role wanted out for me for Auden Tate. Um, yep. I, I just, I, I, everybody kind of fell in, in love with that, that big catch radius in the, in the off season last year. And then he just never really did anything. Marvin was, Marvin was reluctant to play him. I think at one point he even said seventh round picks don't win you ball games. Um, and, and he's totally proved that wrong. I mean, he has, he has, well, he hasn't won them a ball game. Well, right? that's right. He hasn't, but <laughs> <laughs> he, he has played well enough to win them ball games. He is he's made some really good catches in in, in big spots. And um, I my runner up was Brandon Wilson. I mean, he has been a really nice surprise, but it's just it's it's just you know nine kick returns. That's that's basically all he's got as, as a resume right there. Uh, Tate, Tate's role has just been much bigger and much more significant. I would agree with you on all things that you said there, and I don't feel I can add much. Okay, on to the next. I'll stand on to the next. More importantly, biggest disappointment. This is like the hardest one to pick. It is. There are so many disappointments scattered across this roster. Like you could, I could make a good quality convincing argument for like 15 dudes. Yeah, you can, but I don't know if you want to go first on this one or have me go first, but I'm, I'm thinking there's so many positions, you know, if you look at Joe Mixon, well, it's like, yeah, the offensive line is bad. And if you look at Andy, it's okay. He doesn't have, he doesn't have AJ green. There's all these other issues for me. The biggest disappointment is Carlos Dunlap. I mean, it's basically, he's, I know it's still 11 guys playing defense, but he's basically one-on-one with a guy as a pass rusher. And he's, he's really been a non-factor in that regard and for a guy that they got paid last July that they are really counting on on being a a huge piece of this defense he just he's he's not been there at all so I, I I did not go there I have him I actually have Carlos in a different category later which is very similar um my biggest disappointment I was really I was torn between two guys one was Nick Vigil who I feel like was really counted on to ascend and have a huge contract year and seemed to be on that pace. It was just going to be a matter of him staying healthy. Well, he stayed healthy, but he's been terrible. He's missed so many tackles. He hasn't covered anybody. He's taken a massive step back, and he was supposed to be the guy that was going to help hold down that room, the one guy you could count on. And everybody in that room has disappointed. And Nick, with his expectations being as high as they were, is chief among them. He has been a massive disappointment to me. But I couldn't give it to him. I just couldn't because I don't know who could be more disappointing than Cordy Glenn at this point. I I don't know how it could be more disappointing to have gotten zero snaps out of a dude who you could not have needed more when Jonah Williams got hurt than Cordy Glenn. And and we can talk about the the whole – the injury situation and what's going on there, but clearly what that has devolved into is this giant mess, and I don't know how you look at that as anything other than just a massive disappointment, and I I can't think of one. I can't think of a disappointment bigger than that in recent years around here when you think about what's going on. No, I agree. I, when, when I was going through it, I was looking at you know actual performance and the fact that he hasn't played at all. I just kind of glossed over him and didn't even think about that. But 
you're right. I mean, there, there's nothing more disappointing than the fact that not only that he hasn't played, but he's essentially quit on the team. I mean, yeah, they, 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 there's nothing worse you can say about a football player than he quit on his team, and that that's what's happened here. And, and maybe it's maybe it's something that is is good in the long run that the team sees Zach standing up to it, and now that. Now that Cordy's back and practicing, Zach is saying, no, you're, you're a scout team guy, and, and we're not even going to take you to London. And uh, I think Zach putting his foot down there can, can win some points in that locker room because I, I still I see Cordy interacting with people a little bit more. Uh, ironically, it's like one of the, I, I saw this today. I was like, that's strange. The one guy that wants to talk to Cordy Glenn is Geno Atkins, who doesn't talk to anybody. But I saw him having a brief conversation in the locker room today. And I just – I, I think he still is a man on an island. Um, I still think he's kind of ostracized himself from his teammates and, and the fact that Zach has taken this this hard stand or what appears to be one. Who knows? Maybe we'll see Cordy out there at left tackle at some point. I doubt it. Oh, but you it, imagine? Yeah, I just I, – I think this – I think it can be a win in the long run. I mean, this is this, – it's a lost season. You're, you're playing for a draft pick, obviously, um, that – Cordy's absence, uh, as disappointing as it is, there there could be a silver lining there. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, man, I, I just, I do find myself looking around and say, why is it? How is this guy still here? Like, what is he? How is this happening? I, I don't. I mean, it, whatever. I'm. I can't even do this again. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, memorable play. Of the year, what is the most memorable? Again, as I specified earlier, memorable is is an important word here because it doesn't mean good. Yeah, I, I know if if you're going bad, I know the play you're thinking of, and I've got that in a different category. Um, I, I went with uh, the John Ross 55 yard touchdown with seven seconds left before halftime in the season opener. Um, it is one play after he had a drop. Uh, one of one of the things that we've seen him kind of go in a shell after those kind of things, and he came right back and had that huge play, and uh, it just it just seemed like a moment where you know they're they're beating the Seahawks at halftime on the road. Uh, maybe this this Zach Taylor guy knows what he's doing. He can really coach offense. Uh, everything was was looking really good at that point, and uh, it, the fact too that it it was in Week One and it still kind of stands out. Um, for me, that that was the most memorable thus far. Oh, remember those days <laughs> when you were, when we were coming back from Seattle and thinking, you know what, this team's not too bad. They're not going to be off. They took off off the table. They're going to be okay. You know, oh, they, they. So I I wrote the whip around for you this week. I don't know if you had gone back and and checked in on it during your travels. Uh, I, they asked what the vibe was. <laughs> they had to try every team what the vibe is, and I thought you're asking me what the vibe is down here. And I said, here's here's the vibe. It's in case you didn't read it, this is kind of how I summed it up. It's like in the you know, in those horror movies in the, the early scenes, everybody is you know the the teens are all joking around. They're in the cabin. They're popping popcorn. They're watching a movie. They're doing pranks on each other. It's a good time. It's like okay, there's no parents here. We're in this creepy cabin in the woods. That's kind of weird, but you know we we're making the most of it and we're having a good time. This should be okay. Fast forward that movie an hour later. That's the vibe in Cincinnati right now. Okay, like that's <laughs> that is where we're at. It's it's just people running for their lives and screaming, and no one's happy. And there's people trapped in closets, and there's blood. It's awful. And hiding it's behind awful. chainsaws. <laughs> it's I'm a sick of that. I'm a little sick of that commercial. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, let's go to. Let's move on to. Oh, I, my memorable play! I have the uh, I have the pick six against Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, people running into each other and just getting thrown directly to another. I mean, it was it was one of those when we look back on that this season and we think of the disaster of this year. You can't get much more yakety sacks than that play was. You just can't yakety jack sacks. Maybe that's what we'll call it. Every every good bad play needs a nickname. Yakety Jack Sacks. Does that work, you think? Yeah, yeah. And, or if you could get a pick six in there somehow. Yakety Jack Sack Six. Ooh, wow. <laughs> that is catchy. <laughs> uh, let's go to most underrated player. Underrated. Uh, I'm going with Trey Hopkins. Um, 
I, I just think with with all the moving pieces and just everything that's going on on that offensive line from injuries to the Cordy Glenn situation to everything else, he, he's been you know kind of a, a solid presence in there. He hasn't gone out there and mauled people and, and looked like an all-pro, but uh, I think his intelligence and his demeanor, he, he's just a guy that – you know, if, if, if it was somebody else at that position and, and that position was struggling, I mean, it's hard to imagine things being worse than they are right now, but they, they could be. And um, I, th- I think Trey has really kind of held things together um, up front and, and kept, kept it from being an utter disaster. That's a good one. I agree. I, I, I hesitated to put him in underrated because I do think people have started to give him his due a little bit and understand that he has been one of the, one of the good uh, players there. I went with right across from him on the other side of the ball. I said Andrew Billings and sort of like an honorable mention, Josh Tupo. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you would think a team that's been as bad run, run on run defense as this team has been, you would assume like the middle has been bad, but teams have just attacked the edges because it's so easy to run out there and there hasn't been much success because guys like Billings and Tupo have been pretty good have made some it's like the few guys that you seem to see consistently flash some plays and make some plays uh during games on that defensive side of the ball it does seem to be them and I don't think people talk about that much it's just sort of you know par for the course for that position you just you you, it's very anonymous in general um but I don't think people realize that they have been pretty good inside of there and, and proven to to be nice compliments to Geno Adkins uh, inside so uh, kudos to them I think they I think they've actually played pretty well despite um, all the bad that's been happening around them particularly uh, in the run game um, most overrated player I mean this this is one of the toughest ones on this list because it's who who are we really overvaluing here I uh, I, I went with you know, a guy that you had up there in another category. I went with Nick Vigil just based on how many ta- – I mean, the Bengals list him uh, as their leading tackler on, on the, the official team stat sheet, and you talked about how many tackles he's actually missed. Um, so if, if you look at you look at the stat sheet and you see that, oh, here's this linebacker with all these tackles, he must be playing well, and that's not the case at all. He has He has been, as you said, just terrible this year. Uh, reaching for guys he's he's when he is in position he misses the tackle more often than not he's not in position and he's left just kind of grasping at air trying to go after these guys that are quicker and um, I I just I couldn't think of anybody else that you would say yeah he's pretty good and then on closer look say no maybe he's not he's a little overrated yeah I would I would agree with that sentiment and we sort of swapped I had Dunlap here I I just because I do think people rate him as being a, a dominant player and I just you know that's just not what I see it's I just see a lot of the opposite of that um which is a lot of what you sort of talked about earlier where it's just you're just not seeing the consistent playmaking that you would expect to see from somebody who's making that kind of money who has talked about as much and it's all oh Atkinson Dunlap right but you know I just I, I see Carlos uh not really producing anywhere near as much um as you would you would think he would uh Coach of the year. I'm going to assume that we both have the same. I guess, yeah, I think so. Uh, Darren Simmons. I, I don't even know who would be a close yeah. second. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't either. I mean, special teams is the only group that's really doing anything here, and I mean, there. So I, you know, tip of the cap to to Darren because his group has actually been pretty productive. He, in, you know, whether we're talking about kickoff returns with Brandon Wilson, I mean, they've almost run three back. Uh, mm-hmm. If you take the Darius Phillips. You had the Darius Phillips hold, and then Brandon Wilson was a shoestring away on one, and then obviously did take one to the house. Um, it really, he was at four. Really, you, the one against Arizona, he was pretty close too. Um, so, I mean, you, you've got a lot in the kick return. Their punt, their gunners have been really good. Huber has worked really well with with those guys. Uh, whether you were talking about with Wilson or McCray or Stanley Morgan, has made a lot mm-hmm. of play, has, has turned into a nice little player out there. Um, so, you know, whether you're talking about punts, whether you're talking about kick returns, uh, that special teams group has been about the only one that's producing uh, consistently. Even a and, and outside of the opener, Randy hasn't really been – everybody's got so many other things to complain about. They're not even complaining about Randy. Yeah, I haven't even heard his name once on Twitter. I mean, since the Seattle game, I mean, yeah, he's just kind of an afterthought at this point. Probably that's what happens when games aren't decided by field goals. But, uh, yeah, he, he's been there – 
I mean, you think about it too. Like Darren Simmons, every year has to kind of start over with with his group. You've got bottom of the roster guys that you're you're trying to mold into something, and and then injuries come along, and you got new guys in there, and he's just. It shouldn't be a surprise. He's done this for years, and he's you know he's regarded around the league as one of the best. But I, I think this is since I've been covering the team in 2012. This this is one of his his best jobs, it, it, albeit only half a season. But uh, if, if things continue the way they have in the in the first half, if we do this again uh, at the end of the year, your long superlatives, uh, he he would seem like it'd be a lock to to hold on to that spot. All right, I want to take a quick minute to broach an important topic, and that's that talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo or avoided altogether excuses like, I had a long day at work or, look, the Bengals make me feel bad. Uh, but with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you, find the best treatment plan. If the medication is appropriate, Roman, with free two-day shipping, the whole process is straightforward, simple, discreet. Getting started simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Growlin, G-R-O-W-L-I-N, and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Growlin and get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Growlin for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Growlin. Most improved, uh, most improved. I have I have Sam Hubbard here who you mentioned earlier. Uh, I just, you know, he really has become a playmaker and taken over that role really nicely. I mean, he's one of the one of the few guys you can count on out there uh, consistently, and you know, took took that step. We did that whole thing at the beginning of the year of who's going to be, you know, this year's Tyler Boyd, so to speak. Who's going to of all these kind of younger guys who are good? Will they be better? He is one of the few that actually did take that step and actually has turned into a playmaker and seemed to develop as a pro. We haven't seen enough of that, to be quite honest, but Hubbard for sure is one of them, and he's quickly becoming a, a part of the core of this team going forward. And, and one thing you know, maybe the casual fans don't notice, but but, but Sam, they, they flip him and Carlos, and, and it basically comes down to, to Sam is always on the strong side. So he's going against a tight end and a tackle. And that the tight end sometimes goes out, and, and it, he's just going one-on-one with the tackle. But he's getting chipped and double-teamed a lot more than Carlos Dunlap is, and uh, he's still being – he's a lot more productive uh, than Carlos ha- has been. Uh, I, I didn't put him as most improved because I just – he had he was pretty good last year. Um, he has taken a step forward, but um, just with how good he was last year, it wasn't as glaring. And I really struggled uh, to, to come up with somebody that was – most improved you got me thinking with with the Andrew Billings thing before because we had seen that in the past where he would he would cut through the line uh, he'd be in in position to make some really big plays tackles for losses and he would miss the tackle or something else would go wrong and it would it would go for a gain and he's he's eliminated that element from his game he is he's made some really big plays in the backfield I, I don't have the stats up in front of me but I would venture to guess he probably leads this team in tackles for loss this year um, I, I'm going to flip what I, what I had written down was more snarky and just kind of in the vein of the season. I had Bobby Hart and, and not because he's been great this year, but just because he was so bad last year. And he, he, <laughs> he hasn't had the penalties this year. He's had a few, but it hasn't been near the train wreck that last year was. And he took all the, the criticism when the team re-signed him and yeah, nobody on that offensive line has been great, but, but, but Bobby has played a lot better this year than he did last year. Um, so that was my original pick, but you got me you got me to kind of change course there. I, I, Andrew Billings would be my pick here. I like the Bobby Hart pick. <laughs> you know, Hart Bobby would have it's it's funny like he's just so despised and he's not he's certainly not good, but you know, it's because he's so despised, I think he he might fit into like underrated. Yeah. Just because he's rated so incredibly low by everyone, but if you if you look, he's he's bad. 
but he's not like the worst, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or at least this year he hasn't been. And you're right, he has gotten rid of some of the penalties. Uh, and, you know, you, I feel like I spend much more time where you, it's so glaring what's happening on the left side that it almost is it, it maybe it's just the relatively speaking Bobby Hart seems like he's not terrible because we're just watching so much other bad line play everywhere else uh, I mean he's oddly become a stabilizing force which is really the sign <laughs> of where we're at <laughs> um, must Im- must improve again this this sort of files under biggest disappointment is similar with a lot of different guys you can choose from but if this team wants to win some games in the second half who must improve uh, I went with William Jackson. I mean, I just – he hasn't been horrible. There, he has had some pretty bad plays, and he had that head scratcher, the the flea flicker with where he was kind of backpedaling against Cooper Cup and went went for like the, the leg takeout at the one-yard line when it looked like he could have attacked him closer to the 10. Uh, there have been some other plays this year that have been suspect. And for a first-round pick and a guy that you would think w- would be kind of a cornerstone of, of this franchise moving forward – uh, he, he just hasn't played like that at all. And he, he needs to be – as bad as this run defense is, that's not getting a lot better. They, they've got to they, they've got to step it up in, in the pass defense, and they need him to be kind of that shutdown corner that, that they don't have right now. Yeah, that's a good one. I, w- I would totally agree with that. Um, I have Joe Mixon, and it's not because I think Joe Mixon has played bad at the – clearly the deck has been stacked against him but his numbers must improve his production must improve and that's that's a that's kind of an all 11 thing so it's it's hard to say his name specifically but he's the one that needs to be the one producing so i i put him under this category where if they they need to get him going he needs to be a force for this team to do to win any of the games that they want to win um, you, you know, if you all the stuff that we've talked about, and and really going forward in the long run, like establishing this guy in this run game as a force, even into next year and the year after that, is going to be massive. I mean, if you're out there playing with a rookie quarterback, Lord knows you're going to need that, whether this year or next year with a rookie quarterback. I mean, it, you need to find a way to get this scheme, this system, and mixing to all work well together, and we just haven't seen it. To, I mean, not just haven't seen it. It's horrendous what we've seen. And so for that fact, I say Mixon. It's not necessarily a direct attack on his game, but his production. But that, that's a good pick because that goes right into our next stat the, or the next topic, uh, yeah. which was craziest stat. And, and, and for me, I had 476 rushing yards through eight games. That's just mind-boggling for a, for a team that – had a had a running back that led the AFC in rushing last year uh, for a team who supposedly had a, a head coach with a system that was built around the run, um, and really the it was even they went over a hundred in London. It, they were I think at three seventy two through seven games uh, before they went over a hundred last week in London. So it, it, that's just. To me, that's crazy. I, I never would have expected that. I there was there was you could see some issues and there were some concerns in other places. But I, I thought the one thing that this team was going to be able to do this year was run the ball, and it's it's been the complete opposite. I mean, they're the worst in the league at it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I I mean, it goes back to it's the differential stat that I ran after week seven, which you know they're still on pace offensively to run for the worst in any 16-game season in NFL history uh, by over 100, by 100 yards, um, and they are still on pace to have one of the worst seasons defensively on where you're talking about rushing yards allowed, where you're talking about 1,000, 2,000-plus yards uh, differential in, in where that could – I mean, that's just an insane number that is totally impossible to overcome, and you don't know whether there's any hope in sight there um, outside of, you know, health. I do think A.J. Green's return – can really there is a a dom a big domino effect in his presence alone in that it opens things up for Tyler Boyd it opens things up for the run game it does give you a threat to pull up over the t- to go over the top you hope i mean we'll we, you know as far as the speed that he's going to have and how active he's going to be in them throwing deep with Finley at all um you know i i 
the biggest problem has been they're out there with a bunch of slow guys and slot receivers, and no one respects their speed, so they crowd the box and eat, you know. It, that's that. It's been over. But maybe they'll find something with the extra tight ends. Maybe they'll find something uh, with A.J. Green to get that going. Uh, we shall see. But all of that, everything involving handing the ball to a running back that has been in a Bengals game this year has been a complete disaster. And it's just wild that you're talking about 2,000-yard differentials, what they're on pace for. It's just that's it's insane. That It is. It's hard to wrap your head around. Um, what is it are they are they at actually at a thousand right now a thousand differential technically they're at 1890 is the differential pace so almost almost 2000 the last the rams game did throw things off a little bit so but still i mean 1890 yard differential just in rushing over the course of a season is 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 just mind crazy yeah it really yeah. is um all right, so let's uh, let's let's keep this show rolling here. Um, lowest moment. What's your lowest moment? Yeah, I went where you went before for the memorable play. I went with that that pick six against Jacksonville, the yakety sack six. No, what was it? Yakety sacks, Jack six. Uh, that that just kind of that summed up. <laughs> yakety the Jack sacks. Yakety Jack sack six. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, I mean, it, it was – yeah, it was just a – it was. It kind of reminded you of that play. I don't remember what year this was, but the, the Gus Farratt left-handed pass against Cleveland that, that got picked off. It was just one of those head-shaking Bengal moments um, that, that, that is – it is memorable. At the end of the season, it may be the most memorable play. I just – I felt like that was – it was so recent. I was – maybe there's some recency bias there that I – that I, I didn't go with that one. I, I went with the the Ross touchdown instead. But for for lowest moment, uh, I, I think that 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 one is is right there because that was another game where they either led or were tied in the fourth quarter and uh, gave up eighteen unanswered. And that was the that was the the second of of three scores they gave up in in that in that stretch. And it was just I don't know that 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 one to me was the low point. I'm I'm tempted. You know, I, I'm I'm tempted to say the low point was, uh, you know, whether it would be the day the Cordy fight, or the, you know, is, incident in practice news broke, or some other off the field stuff of the trade deadline passing and nothing happening, or you know, there's a, you know, or the the benching. Who knows if they recall the Dalton benching? To me, though, when I think about this year and I think about what happened. I go back to Pittsburgh, like to me that Pittsburgh game was when it just totally demoralized the entire fan base and fractured everything, and because it was it was again Pittsburgh, it was again national television, it was so embarrassing on every level, and it was the offensive line being mm-hmm. terrible, and that's why I go back to me the lowest moment was Dalton lying dead on the turf in Pittsburgh, just, just laying there. And it did not moving after getting hit again for one of eight sacks it was on the night. And that sort of was this season in a nutshell a little bit, you know. It was he, this quarterback, this dude was sacrificed because of the poor decisions of so many others in in this offensive line not being able to do anything. I mean, that was That kind of epitomizes where they ended up. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen a, a thought bubble over his head on on that one because we were both the same way. We, we saw him laying there, and like I thought he was seriously hurt. He he never yeah. does that where you know he's usually pretty quick to bounce back up or whoever the guy is that gives up the sack is usually there pretty quickly to to give a hand to to help him up. And, and that one, he just if we go back and watch it now, it probably wasn't as long as it felt in real time, but at the moment it was it was pretty pretty jarring to see where he. He didn't look completely dead because his knees were still bent and up, but he he was not moving at all, and it, it, it looked like there was a serious issue going on right there. I think the thought bubble would probably say, "If I don't move, maybe they'll just call the game right now." Because <laughs> <laughs> probably it had to be somewhere in that area. Uh, last last category, and we'll move on to behind the curtain and talk about uh, Joe Mixon. Um, biggest rookie bust. Thus far, now not calling them a bust in the big picture, but through eight games. Just remember, this is a mid mid season best and worst. 
biggest rookie bust? Uh, I went with Michael Jordan just because you know he he was an opening day starter and uh, ended up losing that job. I, I just don't they they haven't really used Drew Sample enough to to call him a bust. Um, Jermaine Pratt is, I think has been disappointing, but again he. He hasn't been used a lot, although it looks like they're they're going to start using him a lot more. We've already seen his play snaps go up, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see him edge out Preston Brown as, as a starter here um, before too long, maybe Sunday. But for me, it was just Michael Jordan, the, the fact that he, he did start the season as the, the, the starter and uh, lost that job to, to Billy Price. Um, so that's who I went with. I Yeah, I have – Jermaine Pratt, just because the expectations were so high for him. And, you know, we've just seen so many huge errors. And maybe that's part of him. He's actually, he has actually made some plays. Um, and I think that there's some hope there. But we've, as far as looking back on the past eight games, I mean, there's just been, considering what you hoped he would be and what you wanted him to be, mm-hmm. and for him to not even be in the conversation yet, I think has, it maybe has, has him on the disappointing side for me. Uh, all right, that's that's not we didn't have as we didn't have as much uh, difference maybe as I thought. There was definitely definitely some, but it could have been worse. Yeah, there was not the, you didn't get the spirited debate you were hoping for. I know, but I when know. a team's zero and eight, there there a lot of those a lot of them ended up being pretty obvious picks. Everyone's everyone's spirits are dead at this point. There's really no <laughs> there's really nothing to be spirited about. Um, so Joe Mixon talked today for you said twenty four minutes. Is that twenty four minutes? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we want to bring you a piece of that. It's just, you know, he, he has not spoken since that game in Jacksonville when he kind of just quit a little bit at the last drive and took his shoulder pads off and was the first one out and no comment and all that stuff. And he made up for it with this long conversation with reporters today. And, and you know, and, and a lot of this centers around, okay, have you lost Joe Mixon? Like, has this coaching staff lost their energy guy? This is a guy who is counted on to be – they're the source of all energy, the guy who brings the juice, all that stuff. Like that's what he's supposed to be. And did you did you lose him? Is he is he so frustrated that he can't handle it anymore? And I thought some of his answers were pretty good. They were they were very long winded, and he was not afraid to just say whatever was on his mind. He's very unfiltered, which you enjoy about Joe as a reporter. Uh, but I so just wanted to kind of bring some of that, and we can talk a little bit about you know, the validity in some of his statements. So here's a little bit of uh, Joe Mixon from Monday. I mean, what's the difference between the last half of last year and yeah. well, the AFC in Russia? I mean, now, is, it, is, it, is it just a situation? Well, I mean, honestly, like last year, I mean, we had probably the, the worst case scenario that can happen. Like, we had A.J. Green out. We had John Ross out. We had... Uh, Andy was out. Yeah, Andy was out. Tyler Boyd was out probably about three games. And, uh, I mean, at that point, it's like we had no choice but to, you know, go two and three tight ends and uh, be able to run the ball. I mean, would you like that to happen even when they are healthy? Um, yes. But at the same time, when they are healthy, it's easier It's easier to run the ball in 11 personnel, you know what I'm saying, because they have to respect those receivers. That's just you have to, and that, it makes everybody's job easier when you can do that. And you know, to help the run game out, you know, by them not being there is by having the two and three tight ends. But you know, like I said, you can't, you ain't gonna be able to line up in that personnel if you're playing behind the sticks, so first and fifteen or first and twenty. I mean, that's just not going to be. Able to, down, or if you're down, down by ten, or fourteen in the third or fourth, yeah. you're not going to be able to do that. So. I mean, like I said, it's, it's definitely frustrating. So Zach seems like he's a mixer guy, though. He's all, you know, he, everybody always asking him how you're doing. Yeah. Because we oh, all think sure. because we all thinking about the blow. Yeah, but no, he I'm says not, he says you've been fine. Yeah. No, like I said, I mean, everybody know I'm frustrated. I mean, who wouldn't be frustrated? If I feel, like I said, I feel like you know what I'm saying. I should be putting up way better numbers than what I am right now. I mean, to go from first in the AFC rushing to, I think, shit, we probably last in the AFC, like, that's embarrassing to me. You know what I'm saying? I, that's not my expectation, and it shouldn't be anybody else's expectation. You know what I'm saying? So, 
I'm not I'm not complacent in to what the hell is going on. Like I said, I'm frustrated. You know what I'm saying? Everybody know I'm frustrated, but you know, coach is frustrated too. You know what I'm saying? We all are frustrated. So I'm not gonna sit there and throw a tantrum because I understand the situation. Now, if it was if it would be a difference if we had the opportunity and we was doing the things that I'm saying and you know what I'm saying? I'm not getting, if we're not dialing it up, then that's different. But I know, I understand the situations and, you know what I'm saying? I understand the, the down and distance and stuff like that and the opportunity that, you know, not being able to have that run game going. So, you know, like I say, everybody frustrated, man. All right, there was Joe Mixon. Jay, what, would, what was your biggest takeaway from, from his holding court? Um, I, that he did. The, that was... That was kind of surprising. I actually I saw it was one of the TV guys. I can't remember who it was, but Joe had his back. He was looking into his locker on his phone with his back to the rest of the locker room, um, and one of the TV guys approached. And I expected uh, the you know kind of the shrug away, and, and Joe stood up and turned around and, and talked. And then the swarm came in, and so that that surprised me right there because he has been really reluctant to talk. Um, but in, in terms of what he said. Uh, mostly he, he seemed he had suggestions for how to get the run game going by, you know, he asked for a fullback. He talking about tight ends, more, more 12 personnel than 11, but he, he seemed more critical of his lack of usage in the pass game. And he, he said it a couple times, they'll eventually figure it out. And he, he was basically saying, Hey, they, these coaches need to realize I can be, a factor in, in the pass game and he can he's right about that he's he is a very underrated uh, receiver and I, I think we're gonna see more of that just out of necessity just the fact that Ryan Finley's gonna be in there and he's probably gonna get blitzed like crazy especially this week against Baltimore and you you'd have to think there's gonna be a lot of checkdowns and and maybe that's where the Bengals can get Joe going is getting him out in the open field in the pass game but that that's what surprised me the most about him he 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 kept saying over and over he wasn't being critical of of Zach and he he doesn't want to be the I need the ball more guy because then you're putting yourself above the team and he he said that's absolutely not what he wants to do but he feels like he's a very good player and he can help this offense and and he wants to be more of a part of the offense and, and particularly more a part of the passing game. I thought it was actually fairly diplomatic in that he kept saying, you know, I've had these conversations with Zach, and I totally get it. I get where we've been at with situations and where we've had issues with, uh, you know, being in bad down and distances, and a lot of that's because of you have all these penalties and everything else. He's sort of been very – It seemed, he was understanding. He wasn't a guy who's just saying, give me more touches or I need to have the or, – or it's been ridiculous. and Anything like that, it was very much – saying, I understand why my role has been limited. I get why all this stuff is going on. I've had good conversations about it. We're on the same page there. I just want those situations to go away. I want us to not be in second and 15. I want us to not keep having these issues where we can't get in to actually being in good running the ball situation. All that stuff. It wasn't casting blame. It was just saying... he understands the situations where he can thrive and he would like to see the team stop screwing up so they can get more into those situations. And I thought that was for a, for a young guy who you can certainly make knots knocks about as far as maturity sometimes and things like that. I think it was uh, a mature conversation uh, in the way he's handled how poorly this year has gone for him so far. So I, as far as that goes, I thought there was, I thought that was maybe my biggest takeaway. Yeah, and I mean, I, I do think we're going to see uh, more from from Joe Mixon and this run game in the second half of the season. He that was the other thing he talked about, and I remember him talking about this last year too. And it was true when when they when they went from Andy Dalton to Jeff Driscoll because of the injury, they really leaned on Joe, and he loves playing in cold weather. And he's, he's excited about this being November and December because he said when it's cold, people don't want to tackle. And that's, that's, he loves playing at that time of year. Um, so I, I, I do think we're going to see – it can't be worse 
No, uh, but, but I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna see a, a repeat of this the first half of the season in the second half. I, I, I think we're gonna, unless Ryan Finley is just a complete train wreck as a quarterback. I, I think we're gonna see Joe look more like the 2018 Joe. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I'm doubtful on anything at this point. Um, let's go. Let's let's run through uh, some of our segments here. Uh, Jay's got stats. What are your stats this week, Jay? Well, we've we've got a little bit of a controversy here. Uh, ESPN um, stats and info had a, a tweet prior to yesterday's games that um, there have been there had been eight quarterbacks make their starting debuts uh, in the NFL this season and. And they were those guys were eight and zero against the spread. Now two more of them did it yesterday. Uh, uh, Dwayne Haskins made his his debut uh, and, and did not cover the spread. And then Brandon Allen made his debut for the Broncos and not only covered the spread, but won outright. Um, when I was going through the list, I could only find nine guys that had done it. Um, so I asked our people at, at Sport Radar, uh, and they just emailed me here a little bit ago while we were. Do, recording this, um, they said the number is officially at eight right now. Uh, one of the guys that presumably um, ESPN was counting was Kyle Allen, and uh, he actually had a start at the end of last year, so he's not on that list. So in, either way, there, there. According to our guy, Sport Radar, there have been eight quarterbacks make their NFL debuts this year, and they are those eight are seven and one against the spread with Dwayne Haskins being the only one that didn't cover. That's significant of course, because with Ryan Finley making his NFL debut on, on Sunday, if you're of the betting persuasion, uh, possibly uh, maybe you're willing to, to <laughs> go against reason and, and take the Bengals and the points. Um, that's another stat. The, the Bengals are 10 point underdogs. Uh, this is, this is only the 10th time in franchise history They've been double-digit underdogs for a home game, and they're seven one and one against the spread in those games. So uh, everything trending to to putting maybe a, a little bit of money on the Bengals this weekend. Oh God, what a terrible sentence! <laughs> little bit of money, putting money on the Bengals. Uh, yeah, you know what? You got you have Baltimore coming off their high high against New England. Assuming they're going to come in here and just wax these poor Bengals who just got healthy and they've got this new quarterback and you take those two trends in man everything's saying it's gonna be the Bengals day or at least 30 to 21 yeah (laughs) (laughs) 10 and a half is a big number that is one thing I will say about the against the spreads part of the situation all right uh run passer boot time I think I have a good one uh for the Bengals so uh Let's play run, passer boot, Jay. What will there be more of on Sunday? Mixon rushes, Finley completions, or Bengals points? Run, passer boot. I'm going to run with Mixon rushes. I just I, I think they're, they're going to be committed to it. I think the, the way that Baltimore plays, um, with, with, with them being so run-heavy, kind of tends to, to shorten the game a little bit. Um, I, I can't see it being a, a huge blowout where they're, they're going to have to completely abandon the run. Um, I'm really tied here between the, the pass on, on going. I'm gonna, I'm, I'll pass on Bengals points. Um, I'll boot Finley completions. I just I can't see them being that high, even though I know there's going to be a lot of checkdowns. Is there's they're going to do everything they can to get the ball out of his hands quickly. I also think about the fact that Baltimore is going to blitz the hell out of him, and I'm not sure he'll even finish the game because with that offensive line <laughs> and that defense, he's going to take some hits. Already saying we're so maybe we should have thrown Dalton completions in here <laughs> uh, along with that. Uh, I am going to. I feel differently. I'm going to run with Finley completions. I, I, I don't think they're going to alter the offense that much. I don't think they're going to pare it back that much. I think they're still going to count on him to throw against heavy boxes and all that other stuff. You know, if you look back, Dalton's had between, you know, 20, had 20 plus completions on pretty much every single game, high 20s and lots of them. So if you're going to have Finley in the 20s, I don't know that Mixon's going to get into the 20s with his carries, and I know the Bengals aren't going to get into the 20s with their points. So 
I'm going to run with Finley completions, and I am going to pass on mix and rushes, and I'm going to boot Bengals points as far as uh, what ends up being more. That's my that's, that's my gut on it. All right. I can see that. Uh, run, pass, or boot, Jay. Uh, Halloween approach. I know you were, like, out of the country, so you didn't do it. But Halloween approach, did, were, you, were you one to leave the bowl out unsupervised, hand out candy from inside the house, or just try to scare the kids? Uh, I, I run – with uh handing out candy um we we sit outside i love seeing all the costumes we we live in a little neighborhood that we've lived in since 1999 so we we know all these kids um they're they're older now obviously but we you you still know the families and um it's just i I enjoy that i I put our fire pit out front on the front porch not on the front porch on the front walk uh have a couple beers hand out some candy talk to the talk to the kids talk to the parents um that's that's my way to go. Um, I'll boot scare. I don't like. I don't like to be scared, so I'm not going to scare other people. Uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll pass on putting the bowl out. I just. I don't. I, I live in Hamilton. I don't trust people not to just empty the whole bowl and then leave you, <laughs> leave you <laughs> empty, and then you start getting your windows soaped and everything else. That's uh, that's that's never. And I and I like. Uh, we, this was the first time that we were not around for Halloween. We were in we were in London. Uh, my daughter. Uh, held down the ship and it was it was so windy and so cold that that she's all the candy we bought um she only went through about a third of it and so we've got a bunch of leftovers and uh she said i think trick-or-treat whatever it was five to seven six to eight uh she was done before the first hour was up and, and there weren't too many kids coming around after that there was a time my my dad was big on setting up the full like scary he he, he would take he would have like the uh, black. He would knock out the screen on our front door for the night, and then hang like black garbage bags where the screen on the on the front door is. And then he would, put, you know, he would put like uh, ketchup on his hands so it looks like blood. <laughs> and then like kids would come by, and he would you know put his hand out real quick when they show up, being like, "Hey, here's here's the candy, right?" And that kind of scared, and kids would jump back and be scared. But it always went the same way. It was always the kids would be like, "Ah, it smells like ketchup." It's like, it's like ketchup. Like it was the same <laughs> way every single time. Uh, but it was, but it would it would scare the crap out of the kids. I, so there was a part of me that sort of has some and takes some enjoyment in watching that happen because that's what the night is partially about. But uh, I, I agree. Handing out, just sitting outside uh, of of the house is, is, is you know, we, doing like a little party or whatever is uh, totally, totally the way to go. I'm with you. The bowl out. I love anytime you start anything with. Well, I live in Hamilton, so <laughs> I want. I would like to actually have that be a regular segment every week. The well, I live in Hamilton, so moment of the week. That's that's kind of what I want. Yeah, but I might hear from from people on council and in the school district, and <laughs> they, they they take pride. It's not as not as bad as people think. It has a rough element to it, and and but we live in a nice little neighborhood in Hamilton. I don't I don't want to piss. It's people. Not you already sign. That's really is that what the sign in Hamilton should say? Look, it's not as bad as people think. <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> Oh, it was uh, right. with the Halloween thing. It was interesting being in London for Halloween because it's that that how that holiday is just really kind of taking over there. It's not been something they've celebrated for long, and um, it, it was my wife went over a week before I did, and so she found this little neighborhood bar that her and her friend had gone to a couple times, and they were going to have a Halloween costume or a, a Halloween party on on Thursday night on Halloween, and you got a free shot if you came in costume. So we. I hate dressing up for Halloween. I never do it. And she was gonna. She was dressed as a, a cat. And when we were in Paris, we found this little Halloween shop there, and they had those little like uh, half masks um, that they were like animal based. And we found one that was an owl. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. That's not really a costume. I can just throw this on. We can be the owl and the pussy cat and uh, get our free shots. And I. We got to the bar, and we were literally, other than the bartenders, we were the only ones in costume. And uh, I, I wore the costume. I wore the mask in the front door, got my free shot, and then didn't wear it the rest of the night. Free shot. Jay will do anything for a free shot. Patron. Or free tickets to Kid Rock. Patron was the free shot. Because <laughs> well, it's more expensive than Jaeger. I paid for my Jaeger. Yes. Uh, 
All right. Uh, by the way, really excited to see. Are you going to fly to Manhattan for the one day that Ladanian Tomlinson's Arby's Steakhouse is open, Jay? You know, as, as tempting as that sounds, I, I kind of like Arby's for Arby's. <laughs> I like what it is. They, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, you don't need to dress it up. I don't. I don't need to put on a jacket and tie to eat Arby's. I, I just I prefer to zip through the drive-through and and get my jalapeno poppers and my Arby's roast beef sandwiches and. Let's just leave it at that. I, I am interested to see how it goes over, but no, I'm not. I'm not buying a plane ticket to go check out the steakhouse. Don't take the Arby's out of Arby's. I like. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, this has been a, a another fabulous well, episode. You, I've got a run passer boot for you. Oh no, we got. You're right. What do you got for me? Okay, we're kind of keeping with the Halloween theme here, and, and I'm going to put a new rule in place. You can't boot, boot, boot more than once a season. You've already done that on the on the <laughs> on the movies. So, as the father of two young daughters, this is way off in the future, but it's coming. There's eventually going to be guys knocking on the door wanting to date your daughters. What would be the most scary? A guy shows up in a mullet, a guy shows up in a van, or a guy shows up in a Coldplay concert (laughs) t-shirt? Oh, man. Well, first of all, I love mullets, and I totally would embrace that, even though because I, I, you know, the a mullet wearer can be a peaceful man, as you know, right? Yeah. A mullet does not necessarily mean that this person is 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 out for blood or whatever. So I I'm I'm okay. That would be the least. That would be the least scary for sure. You know, Coldplay. I'm not scared by Coldplay. I just think they would have bad taste in music, and that's part of the problem, you know. So I, I would embrace the mullet. I'm all fine with the Coldplay. I don't want to see that van, man. Like I don't, I don't want to see a van. I don't want it to be like all tinted windows, like the white van. No vans. Like, and it better not open. And there's like you know disco lights and and uh, and and you know some sort of like one of those like velvet couches or something like that. That's the worst. That is without doubt the worst case scenario. I'm 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 cool with mullets. I like mullets. Coldplay sucks, but they don't mean that you're out for for blood either. I'm saying the van guy. That's a problem. I don't want to see van guy, and he's pretty much getting run in the neighborhood. I might actually take a baseball bat to his van. I drove a van, a customized van with a couch in the back that converted into a bed, and I had a mullet, and somehow. <laughs> I never had a dad turn me away. I don't know. I guess I was just that charming that they. Uh, that yeah, they, they... that must that must be it. Or they were maybe scared of you. That's so you. Ba- it's it's a shame that you weren't wearing a Coldplay shirt. You could have gone one, two, three, and checked all three of those boxes. Yeah, it was an ACDC T-shirt back in those days. Coldplay was yet to be founded. But... Yeah, yeah. My nickname was Van Morrison back then because I was Van. I had the I had the customized van and I drove everybody everywhere, and we could go to King's Island and you could take the cushions from the couch and you could stuff them in the windows so that they couldn't see into the van and we could sit in the back and drink. This is terrible. <laughs> van Morrison in the house. Oh, that is fantastic. On that note, let's get out of here. Uh, bonus episode, of course, coming up on Thursday. Me and Van Morrison will be there, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, maybe we'll do it from the back of your old van. Maybe we could find that thing and, and get back in there. That would be. I, although I don't want to be inside of it, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, so we've got that coming up on Thursday, and uh, then of course we will have the walkout uh, from the game on Sunday. Uh, walkout free on iTunes. This episode free on iTunes. Bonus episode. Only for athletic subscribers. If you are an athletic subscriber, thank you. If you're not, hey, what are you waiting for? It's awesome. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. We will uh, talk to you next time on Hear the Podcast Ground.